Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission? To explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm going to be doing several follow-on podcast special series based upon my summer series of Trekking Through Compliance. Today we start a five-part podcast series on some of the science around Star Trek. In this exploration, I'm joined by my good friend Ben Lockwin. Ben is a healthcare futurist, and he's also an astrophysicist, so he's uniquely situated to talk about the science of Star Trek. We had a lot of fun producing this series, and I hope you will enjoy it, listening to it as much as Ben and I did bringing it to you. In this episode one, we take a look at the episode Mirror, Mirror, and use it to discuss transporters. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Ben Lockwin as we continue our exploration of some science issues, or perhaps non-science issues, from Star Trek, the original series. Today, I want to use Journey to Babel as an introduction to talk about um, medical issues, uh, the future of medicine, tricorders, and a wide variety of other topics. So, Ben, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. I feel like I'm aging in reverse. Great. Um, the, uh, you look marvelous, marvelous. The, uh, <laughs> this was one of my personal favorite episodes. It really uh, presented the, uh, the spectrum of uh, alien beings or beings in the United Federation of Planets uh, and in the universe that Star Trek inhibited or uh, rather uh, inhabited, I should say, uh, on Stardate 34, 3842.2 when this uh, episode occurred. There was a uh, uh, diplomatic conference that uh, the Enterprise was ferrying ambassadors to, one of whom was Sarek. And Sarek is the 102-year-old ambassador from Vulcan, and he was accompanied by his wife, Amanda, who happened to be or is human. Uh, much to Captain Kirk's surprise, he found out that Sarek and Amanda were Spock's parents. So... Um, First of all, we start off with the greatest trope ever, uh, dads and their fathers, and it kind of goes downhill from there. Um, but there's uh, some great uh, espionage going on. There is a murder mystery of which Sarek is accused of murder. Uh, Sarek is attacked. Kirk is attacked. And uh, it all sort of uh, ends up in sickbay with Dr. McCoy, uh, who has to do a um, blood uh, uh has to move some of Spock's blood to his father so that his uh, an operation uh, can occur on Sarek's heart valves. The uh, Spock's blood has to be enhanced, and so um, all of this happens, of course, during a, a military engagement. So uh, <laughs> it's really uh, a lot of fun. A lot goes on. We get to see the full panoply of medical services that are available on the Enterprise, Obviously, the tricorder is a key part of uh, almost every show. Um, so, Ben, there's uh, you're uh, you're in the life science industry. There's a lot going on here. Where do you want to start? Well, I think we start at the beginning. <laughs> let's let's talk the tricorder first, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. 
So it's interesting. You know, like you said, the tricorder is is very ubiquitous in a lot of the uh, Star Trek, the original series episodes. And um, I think there are a lot of people in the healthcare industry now, you know, whether it be physicians in the clinic, uh, nurses, support staff, who are of the era where some of their professional decisions were in part or largely determined by uh, seeing the tricorder, you know, or watching shows like Star Trek with the tricorder. And, you know, wow, I, I would want to be part of, you know, the future of medicine. What does that industry look like? You know, I, I mean, we certainly know that um, folks who go into aeronautical engineering and aerospace, um, a lot of tech companies, defense companies, they've said that uh, their interest was in large part due to, you know, watching Star Wars, watching Star Trek. You know, these were catalysts for how they see the future and, and the world they want to participate in. So I think... You know, the tricorder was, you know, an absolutely important linchpin for our ability as a society to get people engaged, to go into the profession, to then develop things that were more like the tricorder than ever would have been possible. So I think with that said, um, having the existence of the tricorder in the show is something that probably in and of itself changed where we are in medicine today. Uh in many positive ways relative to not having it. So I think we owe a lot to the show uh, for that. Can I stop and, you there, Ben? Because this seems to me to be very different than saying, I, I decided I wanted to be a doctor because uh, I admired Dr. McCoy. This is actually saying something I think a little bit different, which is I was so inspired by what I saw as the potential science that became an area I, I not only wanted to practice in, but really wanted to to help lead uh, a cutting edge in development. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, like I said, I, I think about some folks who I'd heard in the past, um, various industry discussions talking about how they were inspired to work um, on uh, ship designs, whether it be airplanes or rocket ships, because they remember seeing em the Empire Strikes Back Star Wars movie or the original A New Hope Star Wars movie. You know, or they were so fascinated by the idea of lightsabers that got them into uh, high energy physics, you know, uh, things like this. So I think this happens quite a bit. Um, I had done some work oh, a couple to a few decades ago with uh, an archaeologist, and he said that when the original Indiana Jones movie came out, which I think was around 1980 or 1981, that uh, the spike in university students choosing archaeology as their preferred major was off the charts. And, you know, potentially that was local or regional and maybe not, uh, you know, nationwide. But it's interesting that we're shaped, I think, more than people would give credit for due to the media that we consume. So what about some of the um, pharmaceutical issues that you saw in some of these episodes we had a wide variety of medicines, uh, some which were developed literally on the spot as antidotes or cures to diseases that were unknown to the uh, medical staff at the time hmm. they uh, occurred, or uh, any of the surgical techniques, because one of the things that struck me, Ben, was they were really uh, just utilizing 1960 surgical techniques and putting a, a cool tool in the doctor's hands. They really hadn't advanced literally even to where we, we came in the 1990s. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think if we if we start at the diagnostic aspect, so, you know, having the tricorder, 
whose job is essentially to find out where somebody was injured or, you know, there's some underlying disease or disorder and the tricorder hones in on it. Um, You know, we do have a tremendous array of high-quality diagnostic instruments now available to us that weren't in existence five decades ago. Um, In having something like the tricorder be real, uh, I think it presents a lot of difficulties that, um, you know, the principles of thermodynamics would prevent um, also some other uh, high-energy physics and electromagnetic issues would would prevent in terms of actually being able to realize that. Um, So, for example, um, if we wanted to transdermally transmit data um, and figure out what was going on beneath the skin, we have to use certain wavelengths of light, and these penetrate to different depths. Um, So, for example, we've got uh, UVA, UVB, UVC rays, and some of these are, you know, we know and love from people who suntan and dermatologists who always recommend everybody avoids the sun. The different uh, photon energy means the photons are penetrating to different depths. If we take an extreme value, x-rays, we have super high energy photons, which are x-ray photons, and they pass right through skin, right through soft tissue, and we're able to image bone and through bone with x-rays. So in order to be able to read something that's going on, let's say, in the blood vessels or the bloodstream, uh, but have that penetrate through the skin, essentially um, it's impossible because if the wavelength goes through the skin, it's going to image through the blood vessels, through the blood cells as well. So we can do certain uh, multi-layer targeting effects with with, uh, imaging for diagnostics, but... um, you know, I think some of the tricorder, uh, uh, you know, of course, is interesting science fantasy about being able to read diagnostics. However, with that said, you know, we are also currently in the midst of uh, some Google AI and machine learning algorithms, which seem to be predicting uh, lung cancer better than radiologists from radiographic scans. So there's some interesting data available right now um, that this is actually occurring. So this also is restoring some of the elements of the science fantasy and and putting it into our hands as as science fact now, which is to have a device uh, vis-a-vis some sort of machine computerized unit, which is able to go through its neural net of potential diagnostics and uh, let's say out-diagnose the clinician who in this case is Bones. So, you know, he's relying on the tricorder to give him um, evidence for what the diagnosis should be. And it seems that some of our machine learning is getting us there now. Uh, There were some disappointing trials with uh, IBM's Watson uh, for predicting disease states uh, better than clinicians in some cases. But, you know, like I said, some of the newer data with um, some lung diseases and disorders the machine learning algorithms at the moment are tending to outperform humans. So if we can get to the point where we would be somehow extracting data from a patient or feeding data into a system, we may get to, uh, in the very near future, a position where the diagnostics are much more accurate so then we can treat the patients with a more precise therapy. And I think pharmacologically that's where the industry is going as well. So the pharmaceutical side of things there's an aspect called pharmacogenomics, where right now we're able to map 
how each individual's personal genetics, their genome, interacts or metabolizes different drugs. And depending on the metabolizer, the person, we would give them different classes of drugs, different types of drugs to treat different conditions because of the way it either works or doesn't work in that particular patient. So we're getting to the point where it's not one size fits all, but we're trying to figure out how to optimize the treatment. And, you know, I think we're also getting a lot more behavioral with it. You know, people who, let's say, want to avoid needles. We're also, as an industry, moving to where we've got transdermal patches, which can do essentially um, what a needle is doing, but without puncturing the skin with, you know, a, with a large needle and everything that that brings with it in terms of shock value and fear factor. So I think there's a lot of technologies now that are helping us work around how humans behave. You know, if they're avoiding, let's say, vaccination or needles for a certain reason, can we find ways to um, instill the immunization but, but not go the route of something that people are avoiding? Um, certainly, there's augmented reality that's being used, medical 3D printing, uh, looking structurally at molecules that were too complex to ever really visualize or imagine in the past and how those may interact in the body. So there's a lot going on, both on the pharmaceutical side, uh, within medical devices. And, um, you know, I see that uh, the tricorder was an inspiration for a lot of where we are. Well, Ben, that seems like a, a good way to put a wrap a bow on this uh, this episode and uh, this five part series. This has really been just a ton of fun, and I wanted to thank you again for uh, taking the time to visit with me. Thanks, Tom. It was great to be with you. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.